don't know, it's catchy. I'm like, this is really dope. The eyes on me, what's next? Surprise, the lonely just flex. My moves are critical. I make decisions, bro. I don't depend on no nigga. I'm healing the city's curses. Call me the Pope. I save them through verses. Where did you get like the, the cultural influence that kind of goes into like the making of your clothes? Yeah. Down on my luck, I'm hitting that inbox to see the daps and the hugs. Yeah, you lie about your plug, you kept it real with yourself. He was texting for some dust. Like sometimes you just gotta take a leap of faith, and I think if you don't take that leap of faith, God is gonna put you out there and try to test your faith to see what you believe. Sneaking and geeking, it's all in your face, my nigga. I already know you can lie to the people. Your sequel's the weakest. Your shit in the trash. We treat it like ether. I call up Lashila, she crazy. Her brother stay serving you daily. You a junkie, is holding you back. I surpass you in three shows, my. Nigga, just face it. Whoa, these niggas crazy telling me slow down. You don't want the attention. No, I want the cash instead. Just drive a fancy car, fuck is a rent and license plate. Say, nigga, we did it. That's too many words, so two cars a fit. You get it? I know it go over here like the perfect drop back from Vic on you bitches. I need 30 M's buried deep in the backyard, and that's just the start. Mama second house, heated marble floors from the driveway to the backyard. Oh, these niggas never outthink me. That's why they knowing me daily. They mad I acquired the sauce. Intimate with a young Tracy Ross. I make it awkward in the room every time I hit my beat it up dance. Her mama taught her well, I could barely move when it's time for eat it up dance. I crashed that night, cancel plans. Speeding off in the avalanche. Might as well get the last of that, cause it's the last time I'm expecting that. When you came up with the name Bougie, what do you want people to interpret from that? Because that is the, the stigma. We finishing up, lecture this shit, it's something I wanna let you know. Show at the show, the dream getting close, and I'm on the ninth episode. I can speak to you all day, every day, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm your friend, because we might not have or be in the same, you know, we're going the same direction. And I want people to kind of understand that women, men, anybody, like, you know, don't feel bad if you have people around you and you find yourself in a place where you have to let them go. That's a standard. and. I have standards in my life. You either meet them or you just kind of like fall by the wayside. Your it's your boy Robbie Dean back with another one of those fire ass episodes of Mi Blanc Amigo, and this is episode nine. Yes, indeed, is Sydney Nicole the next Oprah? And I'm gonna go ahead and jump out the window and say yes, just based off of her IQ, her self belief, her self reinforcement, and her self discipline, man. Just an all around great human being, great person, great story to tell, man. A lot of darts for you people who wanna get into the clothing industry. She's given a lot of knowledge, man. So listen up. You already know I asked the right question, so buckle up, do what you gotta do, get right, sip one, smoke one, we out. Mm. Uh, Clark Atlanta versus A&T. Oh. Pros and cons. <laughs> the, the dynamics were the same. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area so Kings Mount even coming to Gastonia mm -hmm. so when I went to these schools it was a culture shock I'm not gonna lie I wasn't used to being in a place where everybody looked like me and right. it was just different A&T compared to uh, Clark Atlanta was a little bit more so even though of course A&T is known for partying mm -hmm. and you know that whole um, thing but because of Atlanta period and then having three schools like Morehouse and Spelman in that same area it kind of increased 
the fun, if you will. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it was the same. Um, where did you get like the the cultural influence that kind of goes into like the making of your clothes? Uh, was it through college or was it at a, just an earlier age? Um, I think it came really from experiences that I had. Um, just on my general, I when I first was in school. I, I wanted to be a model before any of this illusion and interest that came about. You know, um, modeling was something that I did since I was a little girl. Mm. My mom and my dad put me and my sister in modeling at the age of like five or six years old. And so that was just kind of like what I was used to. And so I went to Atlanta, and Atlanta is just for us, that's what they call Black Hollywood. So more opportunities are available for us there. So I'm like, oh my God, yes, I can do this. <laughs> right. um, but more other opportunities came about. I became um, a celebrity wardrobe stylist assistant. And then I started assisting another company called Cupcake Mafia. She had a t-shirt line, and her t-shirts were catered to the type of women that I'm catering my business to, you know, just like the go-getter, the women who are completely unapologetic about who they are and fearless. Um, And so once I was able to see her moving and shaking and what she did with her business, I'm like, I can do this. It was just Mm -hmm. the fear of doing it. Um, So it took me to, I moved back from Atlanta in 2013. And then I started my company last year. So it took me a while for me to really identify with, you know, what I wanted to do, what the name of it was going to be. And it, it, it was just crazy. But it, my clothes more so caters to just that experience that I had with guys, with friends, with just life period. That's where all of that comes from. Okay. Um, I had a good question. Um, yeah, you said that you had moved back to Charlotte and there was a what three to four year gap right Mm -hmm. uh what was going on in between that period so when I came back home I really wasn't doing anything uh for like the first part of the year because I came back at the beginning of January of 2013 and I was just trying to figure out who I was what I wanted to do coming from Atlanta back to to this type of city where it's subtle you don't feel like you have as many opportunities you got to figure it out um, I've always loved fashion, so one of the companies that I've always wanted to work for if I was going to do this corporate thing was Nordstrom, because if you have them on your resume, you just, you're in. Right. Um, I eventually was able to work for them, and I got hired in November of 2013, and I worked for them all the way up to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually released from my job because of me starting my business, mm-hmm. um, because of course it's a conflict of interest. Right. Um, I just At that point, I was like, you know what? I didn't want to work for anybody anyway. I've always want, I've always known that I was going to work for myself. That's just always been a goal for me. Right. So I just kind of took that L, and I don't even consider it a, like a loss, but more so of a lesson. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith, and I think if you don't take that leap of faith, God is going to push you out there and try to test your faith to see if you truly mm-hmm. believe right. that uh, what he purposed you to do is what you're going to do. So I had to go through that, um, but... It just came about so crazy because Bougie wasn't even supposed to be a business. Um, Mm -hmm. It initially started out with me. My boyfriend at the time, actually, he owns a clothing line out of Raleigh. And he wanted me to create this, basically, this little brand, this collection of girls' clothing. Because he came more so to men. Mm -hmm. He came to me and said, hey, I want to start, you know, selling to women. I feel like this is a market that I need to tap into. Women are impulsive buyers. We just buy stuff just to buy it. Um, He's like, I want to do something for the ladies. He's like, can you come up with a collection for me? And just run with it. I said, yeah, sure. So I created this whole collection. He asked me to name it. For the life of me, I could not figure it out. And it ended up up getting bigger than what we projected it to be. So he said, let's turn this into a business. What are you going to name your business? Like, I don't know, because it wasn't supposed to be a... (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be a business. It was just supposed to be a collaboration. So 
I was in my apartment because at the time I was living in Durham because I had got promoted and relocated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was cleaning my bathroom with Lysol on one hand, bleaching the other. <laughs> and bougie and uninterested came to mind. Did I know what it meant? Not at all. The name was like very, I don't know, it's catchy. I'm like, this is really dope. It took me a few days for me to really process what it meant. Mm-hmm. And then I had to do like some self-reflection and then I realized that it was me. Um, so that's how all of that came about. <laughs> Um, what year was this that the you actually that the word bougie hit you? Two thousand. This two thousand eight. It's two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Two thousand fifteen. December. No, November of two thousand sixteen. So before bad and bougie. Yeah. I I had a theory that you had uh a lot came people, up with it after that. <laughs> name. A lot of people <laughs> say that it's like, were you inspired by Bad and Bougie by Migos? I'm like, I'm sorry, but no. Like, I love the song. It's really dope to me. Mm-hmm. But the, the ideal that they have and the ideal that I have, completely different concepts. Right. But again, I love the song, but no. That did not inspire that. <laughs> so when you came up with the name Bougie, what do you want people to interpret from that? Because that is the, the stigma that's going to come with it from it's bad. A, a little mm-hmm. minute. You're stuck up. You think you're better than everybody. Even when um, I was like in high school, people would call me bougie. Like my parents, they always made sure that me and my sister had the nicest of nicest things. You know, So when we're these girls going into a place where everybody don't really look like you and you have all like the newest shoes and the newest clothes on and you act a certain way because I've always been reserved in my own way. Right. So people would think, mm, she don't want to talk to anybody because she thinks she's better. And it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. It really wasn't that. Right. But with me being able to take this concept, bougie and interested, it's more so like I have standards and I'm okay with having these standards. It just means that everybody can't go where I'm going. Everybody can't sit in the same room because our conversations are going to be different and everybody it, it not saying that I'm better it just everybody just won't fit and right. that's okay um, a lot of people think you know I can speak to you all day every day but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm your friend because we might not have or be in the same you know or go in the same direction and I want people to kind of understand that women men anybody like you know don't feel bad if you have people around you and you find yourself in a place where you have to let them go that's a standard and I have standards in my life. You either meet them or you just kind of like fall by the wayside. Not to be mean or anything. It's just kind of, that's how you have to live your life. Because everybody just won't fit. And you find yourself being more stagnant if you try to bring everybody with you. True. I understand that. Um, Already with this podcast, just by like the time it takes and the energy and all that just pulls you away from everybody. So um, with your business and whatnot. Um, has it affected relationships with friends and family and all that in the long run? Yeah, but the crazy thing, it hasn't affected me so much because I don't, I already don't have a lot of friends. Um, I, I've, I'm pulled more to into my family and then the little friends that I have, they're kind of spread around everywhere, but we're all doing our own thing. So we understand what it takes to be successful. So we're not crying or getting into arguments because, oh, you're not spending enough time with me. Oh, I haven't talked to you on the phone. We understand that we can't, we're not children anymore. We can't be on the phone for hours of the day. We have stuff to do. We have dreams and goals that we put in place. And when we're able to get together, we get together. Like, you know, if we decide to go on a trip, we book that trip. And when we get together, we'll link and we'll talk. So that's what, that's the relationship that I have with my friends, all what, five of them. And my family, it, it's not even that way. Like, of course, sometimes I have to pull myself away because my mom likes to spend time. Because, again, it's just my sister and I. 
So it's always been us or my dad, my mom, my sister, and I were just, those are my best friends. So it's just like, I got to tell myself in my mind sometimes, see, stop working to the point where you won't have memories with your family. My right. sister's about to have a baby, so I have a niece soon. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to position myself and bring people on my team where I don't have to work as much so that I can keep that relationship with them intact, even as I get older. Okay. Um, growing up as a kid, who influenced you as far as style, like? For me, it was like Kanye, um, Hove, you know, all the entertainers. Who who was your influences growing up? Um, the crazy thing is, and people will say how, I really didn't have any influencers. Not until Rihanna came into the game. And she really wasn't a style influencer. She just kind of solidified what I've been doing my entire life. And that's just marching, like, marching to the own beat of my drum. Uh, like, I would just, however I felt is what I would put on. Like, if I woke up one day and I didn't feel like the greatest, you could tell because my outfit was pure garbage. Mm -hmm. Like, and if I felt like, if I woke up one day and I felt like I was the top chick, at the, like the top of the world, I would dress myself accordingly. Right. Um, not based off of what people were considering a style or trend. Like, I might buy into them every now and then just to have them. But I'm just one of those people where I just dress to whatever makes me feel good. And if people have something to say about it, nine times out of ten is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just me expressing myself. Fashion has always been me, and that's how I've been able to express myself. All right. Um, now, with your fashion, the first thing I noticed that this clothing line is dedicated for women only, right? Yes. But some pieces are borderline unisex. Mm -hmm. uh, do you do that intentionally? Okay, are you seeing like a certain buyback from that from the men audience? Yeah, so I have it is so it's crazy because I've had a lot of guys. I don't know if you've seen my God bless the woman who secures the bag tee. I have a lot of guys who buys that shirt and they wear it. Like even um, Jordan with what you mean, he bought the shirt for him and his wife. Right. So he wears it and then he bought one for his wife because it's the same message. Like God bless the woman who's able to like, you know, not come into my life with expectations of I'm going to take care of her, but she wants to be a team player mm -hmm. and we're getting this back together. So it's, I, I try to get it to where men are like eating onto it too, so that they see the concepts and everything that I'm pushing out. Some of them have, it's still taking some people to, to catch onto it, but I have had a lot of great feedback from men to the point where next year I'm going to release a collection for men. Okay, yeah. that's what I was getting to. Yeah. <laughs> um, how far are you into completing that? Have you got the sketches and all that? I've gotten out? the blueprint of it. Um, it's more so of a collaboration for it with another brand, and I've actually kind of sat with that brand, and we've come to the you know like yes, we're gonna do this. Um, mm -hmm. but we're, it when we sat down and talked about it, it was more so like okay, we can't do this within a matter of six months. Like this needs to make sense to the market. Is it gonna be like how are we gonna market it to where it makes sense that the guys are not just thinking, Oh, this is just, you know, another collection that could could be here right now and then gone. Like I want it to be a, a collection and a, a brand in itself that there's mm -hmm. a longevity there. Um so that's been like the piece that's been a little frustrating for me because again I'm new to this men and I've seen how men shop and it's not like you know it's, it's very different from women guys right. will go into a mall and already know what they want that quick they're in and out exactly women they want to try on everything they got to see if it works with this they got to think about stuff that they have at their home like at home or you know their guys are back into it oh I wonder if he's gonna like it on me it's, it's so many different things that's different so I have to kind of pull myself out of where I am and position myself in another place so that I can truly market to this men um, customer that I want to bring on board um God, I had a good question. With the um, market, 
how have you uh, been able to uh, build your audience and grow? That's a question that I was asking um, this person I interviewed last week. They was a podcaster. The question was, how do you build your mark? I mean, build the audience and keep them growing and making them come back to keep supporting you. How do you do that? So one thing I've learned since I've been in business, because of course everything is trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't buy more so into product anymore. People are buying into people. Right. So I've been consistent in my brand. Like I've, even if I don't post a picture of me wearing a T-shirt, they like who I am because they're able to relate to me. So my, a lot of my customers come from people just rocking with me on my personal page, supporting me, and then with them supporting me in their posts and stuff, or bringing about other customers, and then they're following me, and they're like, oh, I like this girl. And it, it that's been for me that process. Um, it hasn't been a lot of me going to different places and having to show my face. It's just them, you know, reading a message on my Instagram or something that I wrote. Like, oh, I like her. I feel like I can relate to her. She's a human. I feel like I can touch her. I'm going to support her off of the strength of that. And let's go back. I love what her t shirt stands for. Right. So it's been really, like, thank God, it's been really easy for me. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's been a, a struggle for me building my audience. Why is that? I'm not even sure. I don't know. They support silently, but it's not like feedback and all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't think I don't talk to them enough. And, I mean, you might want to, even if it's not a direct conversation about it, just, like, start to bringing up conversations that people can, you know, just kind of, like, jump in and be included in. Like, a, a lot of things that I've noticed, because I'll, I'll study so many people's Instagrams and how they're, like, you know, even just interacting with the people that support them. And a lot of people don't talk back. You know, yeah. I, I make it a point to always respond. Even if it's, like, two weeks later, you're going to get a response from me. Mm. If you DM me, we're going to have a conversation. Like, I'll post up to, like, see if people respond they do. And I think the one thing that they're testing is, let me see if she's actually going to say something back to me that I can take away from this. Mm. And I want people to always have some type of takeaway from me. Um, it, it makes it difficult because I'm one of those people where I don't like a lot of people have access to me. But when you get to a certain point of your success, it comes. that's the responsibility that comes with you. And so you have to. But I would just start positioning yourself to where you're doing something almost six times out of your week where you're interacting with your followers and just having them grow from there. Okay, here's my thing. I go on social medias. I got two social medias. I got Twitter and I got Facebook. And the reason I got Twitter and I got Facebook is because I fell back from social media for a good three, four years. But I kept those two. I go on there daily and I just repost the podcast two to three times a day. Is that enough interaction? No. What else should I be doing? Have a conversation. Like, put give feedback, you know, about, like, give feedback on yourself. Tell us why you're talking about these things. Why do you want to bring these things up in your podcast? Like, little things like that. If you're interviewing people who have clothing lines, why do you feel like these conversations are important? Like, you know, there's so, let's think about it. Millennials are more so into starting their own businesses now because they don't want to be capped off. They don't want to work in this corporate world and they don't think they can make us $50,000 a year. That's not enough. You know, right. Every single year, prices are going up higher and higher, so they're going to have to figure out ways to make money. So you're positioning them to, like, I'm going to teach you how or put somebody who can teach you how to do this. Just mm. talk. Just have, like, type up a, a tweet and say, hey, you guys, like, let's talk about, you know, <laughs> business. You know, like, 25%, let's 
there's going to be a 25 percent increase in entrepreneurs within the next year or so. Right. Like just giving them information, and you'll start seeing them respond. So you can't just repost stuff because anybody could go and repost something. But right, they, right. They, nine times out of ten, you know, they probably somebody else have reposted you, and they've seen it there, and they're like, okay, I'm not interested because he's doing the same old thing. Yours. <laughs> yeah. They need you to come from a place that's that's you. Like this is your podcast. What else do you have to say aside from bringing somebody else onto this? Mm. They want to know what you have to say. Mm. And how often do you do this? I I try to be I try to be on social media at least six times a week, oh. at least six. Being consistent consistency is one thing because you notice even that, like on Instagram you don't post something for like two days people will not will follow you. <laughs> quick they will exactly. fall off quick. Yeah. Like they they want good content they want some they want you to say something that's meaningful they want to be able to relate. I mean, whatever. Even if it's a freaking song and you like, what you guys think about this song? You know, mm. I'm doing a podcast on music this week. This is the guest. You know, tell me what you think about this. What questions should I ask them? That type of thing. I'll be thinking if I do that, ain't nobody going to respond. Oh, well, you would never know because you haven't tried it. Exactly. Even if they don't, you haven't tried that yet. Mm-hmm. Every, like I said, everything is trial and error. We do not wake up or we don't get out of bed experts. We learn as we grow. And there's no way you can know that because you haven't tried it. So on a switching over, on a perfect day for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> you wake up. How do you? How did your ideas come to you? Like on a perfect day, what has to happen for a, a certain just new sketch to hit you for you to hit the board and draw it out? Um, you know what? It's, that's a very interesting question because they just they come. They just come to me. I can wake up and literally, I can be at, so I work at nine to five too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can be at work and I, something will happen and I'm like, that's going to be a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like the thoughts just come to me randomly. It's not just a day that I wake up and I'm literally in a, like a working zone. They just come to me and in that moment I have to write them down. Then I'll go back, revisit it. And if mm. I don't like the wording, I'll know I need to switch it up somehow, some way. I'll get feedback by asking like my friends or anything like that. But Nine times out of ten, like, well, ten times out of ten, all of my t-shirts have literally originated from just me. Mm. Or something my friend might go through and she'll text me like, girl, guess what? And I'm like, you know what, that's about to be a shirt. Like, the no direct messages, direct deposits t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> that literally happened because my friend texted me. She was like, you know what, I am so sick of these guys in my DMs all the time. I'm going to make, like, my price is about to go up. And I was like, oh, no direct message, only direct deposits. I said, there we go. Like, it's little stuff like that. That's kind of like my driving force. Or if I'm feeling some type of way, I'm feeling sassy, and I'm like, okay, like, this is about to be a shirt. Mm. Just for me to get a message out there that other girls want to say, but they don't know how, so they can wear it on a shirt and say it. I thought that no direct messages was a sub at me. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Did it come out the same time that you did? I think it did like two, three days after no. the first time I hit you up. No, I'm sorry, it did. It had nothing to do. <laughs> it had absolutely nothing to do with you. It, it literally came from my friend messaging me and saying, "Girl, I'm tired of these dudes sending me messages." And everybody can relate. I'm pretty sure you got people in your DMs that's just like, seriously, like, yeah. why are you here? Let's keep it. Why are you here? Like, you really vote for this? Yeah. That type of thing. All right, so. I say my one good question. <laughs> you mentioned that um I'm not sure I understand. Oh. You mentioned that um you was a celebrity stylist. Mhm. What uh just 
explain the process of what you went through for a job like that or to just end up in a job like that. It was so funny because <laughs> when I was in Atlanta, I noticed that a position had opened up and I was like, oh my God, this would be this would be great for me. This is after I got over my whole modeling uh, phase, well, at least I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the PR that was in charge of the celebrity stylist, um, she positioned herself or she more so put her information out for people to, to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her. And I said, hey, I'm very interested. You know, she's like, okay, we'll do interviews. And so I didn't hear anything back from her. So when I say I was persistent, because I wanted, I was persistent. I sent this lady a total of 32 emails. And mm-hmm. so she just like, we're not even going to interview. You're hired. When can you start? All right. That's how that process <laughs> went. And um, he, he, uh, the ce- celebrity stylist, you know, I met with him. Um, and his name is Middleman. He, and he's like, everybody knows him in Atlanta. Like, he's just one of those people that everybody knows mm-hmm. and so I started working with him I worked for him like a year and a half um, and I just kind of went out it, it was just really really weird how I got into it like it, it saying it now it doesn't really make sense right. but I'm glad that it did that's how I'm, like I'm big on like nothing is by accident like right. everything is literally on purpose so what happens when you're a stylist do they just call you when they need to go somewhere or every day do you go out and look for pieces Every celebrity client is different. Like, some people, they, they just don't know how to dress themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the celebrities that you see, none of them dress themselves. Like, none of them. Right. So, if they need somebody to come to their place every single day and put looks together, then we would do that. What we normally did, we would do photo shoots. Um, if there were, you know, marketing, an album that was releasing and they wanted to do an album cover, we would do shoots with them, little things like that. Or they had events, we would dress them for events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we mainly did. Uh, we didn't have, if he did have customers that he would do, like Future was one of his clients. Um, he did like dress him every now and then, but he would just go and do it one-on-one. I wasn't more so present when he had to do home visits. Um, but yeah, that's normally what we look for. I work more so on set, photo shoots and video shoots and things like that. Okay, so these questions are all over the place. Okay, I'm just coming up with them. Okay. These um, panels you do, what is that about? So, uh, I started Don't Sleep on Your Dreams, which is what it's called. I started that um, in January. I came up with it. My PR, my PR, myself, and my ex-assistant came up with that name back in November. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started my business, I was looking to go to events where I felt like I would be able to build relationships and I would leave with resources that would help me take my business to the next level. And I, when I say I spent gross amounts of money mm-hmm. to go to these events, I'm talking about 50s all the way to the 100s. Um, just to be in a room with people who I consider like, oh, they must have valuable information, they are wise, that type of thing. Um, and I would literally leave these events more confused and empty-handed than I went in. Right, right. So I was like, I there has got to be something that I can do where I'm able to get entrepreneurs, even aspiring entrepreneurs, in a room, and I'm really able to, you know, give them information on how to start their businesses, where to start, and like how to stay in the game. Because a lot of people can start a business, but they don't know how to to bring forth longevity. Right. Um, and so that's where Don't Sleep in Your Dreams came from. Mm-hmm. So I was able to create an event. Like creating an event, bring on people who were not even necessarily like known in the industry. There, I consider them underdogs. I champion the underdog all the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people overlook them. I champion them. So I bring people on who look like they were about to break into their industries, their fields, and I'm like, like I want to do a panel. Will you be here? You know, just provide the wisdom. What has worked for you so far? Um, and my very first one was so successful. I started. I helped 
start six companies since then, mm. and they've all, within three or four months, been able to take their businesses to new, le to new levels. Um, just off of the, you know, practices and different blueprints and strategies I was able to create with them. Um, and so the next one is going to be in Atlanta because I do want to take it city to city. Um, and I'm going to do the very same thing. I'm going to go to Atlanta. I'm going to position people in a room, provide resources, and then coach them. Mm. And then after that, I'm leaving it up to them. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something completely different than what other people are doing. There, these people are buying like tickets of like a hundred to three hundred dollars just to sit in a room to leave with absolutely nothing, just to say they were there. I want people. I'm big on being effective. Right, right. I want to be effective in people's lives. If I have an encounter with you, I want you to leave me with something. Right. So that's where that came from. Mm. And this is your panel. This is my panel. Mm, that's what's up. This is my panel. I, I, thought I find these people. I ask them, hey, are you interested? They'll agree. And then I say, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you willing to do it? And if they say, yeah, then they know what they're going into. Because a lot of people don't. They think that everybody's supposed to like be able to go on Google and research it. But everybody don't have that type of hunger and ambition. They want it. But you have to be, you have to lend a helping hand sometimes. Everybody needs help. Right, right. So that's just the reality of it. But these are my panels. <laughs> where, where are you headed next with it? Atlanta is next. That's mm -hmm. June 23rd. And then after Atlanta, I'm thinking Houston. Houston will probably be sometime around October, November. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how do you build and grow that. I know I keep coming back around to the question like that. How are you getting people to draw in? I mean, are you just getting support from your friends and women and all of that? All of this support comes from people just watching me. You know, of course your friends and your family are going to support you, but a lot of people who are attending these events, they've come across me on Instagram or they've met me in person at some point, and they're just like, I like what she has to say. The one thing I can honestly say, when I go into a room and I say something, people listen. Mm. Um, and so I've, like, I've taken pride in myself and just making sure that every time I speak, I have something that people are able to take and like, okay, I can apply this somewhere in my life to where it's beneficial. And so that's where a lot of this is coming from. Like, I'm going to another city that I lived in for maybe two years, and I really, you know, I just had the relationships in, but just think about how much has changed from 2013 to now, and, you know, I very rarely touch that city, but mm. the support already has been absolutely ridiculously crazy. Mm. Um, so I'm really excited. And Houston, I've never been to other than, like, a layover. So I'm very excited to see how this would turn out. But, again, like, I believe that when purpose is positioned in this, I can't go wrong. I can't lose. Atlanta. <laughs> You're going back. I'm going back to Atlanta. <laughs> what was life like for you? And I know I asked that, but Ooh. what was your social life like for you in Atlanta? Atlanta at CAU, at I, Cal. <laughs> when I lived in Atlanta, let's be very clear, I was young. I was dumb. <laughs> and I was doing everything I could possibly do. If everything I could uh, get my hands on, I was doing it. I mean, like, that's just me being transparent. And so I wasn't really able to capitalize off of Atlanta the way I should have been if I was my age now, with a lot more wisdom, with a lot more experience. Right. And I just went there and did exactly what people who go to Atlanta do. They wanted to party. They want to have fun. You know, you see celebrities. And then I got to a place where I was seeing celebrities every single day. Oh, just imagine this, mm. you know, 18-year-old girl. What else would you do? <laughs> so Atlanta at that time for me was absolutely nuts. Nuts. I've never been. You should... You should go and experience it in a way. It's, it's overwhelming, I can say that. Because, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities there, but it's very cliquish. Mm. And so it's all about who you know when you go to Atlanta. Wow. So building that relationship would be really good. 
need to meet somebody down there that can help me. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, I got another question. What you got? So you was modeling, right? Mm-hmm. What age did you stop modeling? What age did I stop modeling? Yeah. Um, I, I modeled from the age of six, 17. 17, you stopped? Yes. What didn't you like about modeling, or what made you stop? I love everything about modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, modeling was, I don't know, I love taking pictures. I even, I love taking pictures now. Like, I love taking pictures. I love the clothes. I love that when I go on sets, it was all about me. Right. Like, it, it was just, it felt so good. Um, the reason that I stopped, because I started having issues with my skin. A lot of people don't know I struggle with my skin a lot. I always have a makeup because of that. But that's one thing that I battle with. Um, but that's the reason why I ended up stopping. Not because I didn't have passion for it anymore. Mm. It's just that my body started changing. And right. so, you know, it's a very fickle industry. They want you to almost be perfect. And that wasn't a thing for me. Um, but I still love it so much. I'm about to get back into it. Right. So I have a lot more wisdom now. Like I can say what... In, and at the age I was susceptible, susceptible to everything. So I could have been like, somebody could offer me something just because it looked good. And I would have said yes. Mm-hmm. And knowing it wasn't good for me. But now I have enough wisdom to say, no, this isn't going to work. I know what areas I want to model. I know what I want to do. I know who I want to work with and things mm-hmm. like that. So I'm about to get back into it. I know that's like bringing another load onto what I'm already doing. But you get one life. And just do what you love. All right. All right. So your big three is clothing. Mm-hmm modeling mm-hmm. and what else um helping others grow businesses which one is wealth wealth mm-hmm. so which one is the most important to you Ooh, you know what i think the, the one that's most important to me is helping others live out their dreams mm-hmm. i think that's the one that's most important i love clothing that's been in that's been in my blood since i can't even remember i love modeling because i mean for heaven's sake god made me six feet tall i mean seriously mm-hmm. like he just he made me this way so i feel like that was just always a part of my plan but there's just something about being able to see someone else's face when they accomplish something and i played a part in that right so that that to me is just that's the most important for me mm. um Yeah, season six. Yeah. Of bougie gang clothing. Yeah, season six, season six, season six will be released at the end of July, mm-hmm. um, and that is my pretty girl collection, and that is again that's that's just me bringing awareness to an issue that a lot of us deal with on a daily basis, but we don't really say it out loud because. You know, the feedback you get, oh, you're not this, oh, you're not that. But people really don't understand how you feel when you say the things that you do. Um, And being a pretty girl is defined in so many different ways these Mm -hmm. days. I mean, at this point, it's like, did did you get your body done? Did you get your face done? (laughs) Do you look like this person? And it kind of distorts the whole, like, the idea that pretty is you just being your authentic self. It's you being a kind heart, a kind heart, being a a nice person. Um, So that, to me is what I'm doing with this collection. So a lot of the pieces will be like just pretty. They'll be very pretty, you know, very, very pretty. Very, very pretty. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to change the way that Bougie is because now it's just a t-shirt line, but I'm doing something completely different and I cannot wait to present it to the world. Oh, so you haven't announced it? No. 
when are you going to announce it? I want to announce it when the collection releases. Uh, it's going to be a big change to Bougie. So I'm just, I'm really excited about that. And, you know, I work really, really hard. And I just, again, I just want to continue to build my business to create opportunities for other people. Okay. Um, your confidence. Where did you find your confidence in yourself? Was you born with this? Did you go through something to acquire this? Where did you find it? Definitely was not born <laughs> with it. Um, it. I dealt with a lot of self-esteem issues when I was younger. Um, just because I was tall, I was always like the tallest girl everywhere I went. Um, it, it to me, it didn't make sense at the time. Right. So, like, my confidence hasn't always been the highest, even though I could put on a, a, a face. Because everybody got their face that they can put on and be like, everybody looked like, oh, she got it together. But I was really battling with this thing. I think I 100% gained my confidence when I turned 21. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just, again, going through different experiences, just, you know, really, like, digging deep and trying to figure out who Sydney was and being okay with who Sydney was. It took me a while to get to that point. Because I always didn't look at myself and say, oh, people are like, oh, you're pretty, you're tall, you're like a model. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't see it. Mm. And I struggled with that for a while. But um, I finally came to a place again, like I said, to where I was okay with what I looked like. And I didn't care what anybody else had to say about it. Right. Yeah. Um, did you deal with a lot of bullying growing up as a kid? I was bullied very badly. Um, when I was in first grade, I had a bully, and I would literally wake up and cry every single day because mm -hmm. my mom would dress me in something that she tell that she would tell me not to wear. And mm -hmm. so I would like I didn't want to go to school. Like it was just really, really bad. And the bad thing was this bully lived literally a house over from my grandparents, so I always mm -hmm. saw her. I could never escape her um, until like my mom had to get involved, and it was just like one of those embarrassing things because you don't want you know your parents to intercede on you because it'll just be so bad at school you get beat up but <laughs> I was I went through bullying and it was not fun and that again that played a huge part in my confidence but um you know again it's just one of those things you have to overcome and you have to tell yourself that you're bigger than this you're better than this and you're you and you have to just be like you can't escape this <laughs> like <laughs> it's who you are so that explains the detail in the clothing because you take chances. Are you willing to leak out any chances you take in on season six? Okay, because you're pressuring me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will. I so what I'm gonna do with Bougie is I'm gonna make it a a global company, mm. and so what that means is everything about my company is gonna triple inventory. The direction of it, everything is going to be completely different. So you'll still get a taste of my t-shirts. You'll still get a taste of, you know, my feel and everything. But it's going to change completely to where I'm allowing other people to invest into it. And it, it's just going to become a, a corporate company, essentially. Um, because this has just always been a dream of mine. So the fact that I have the opportunity to grow it at this size already, and it's only been a year and a few months, I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. You are the first person to know about this, so <laughs> you guys, you got the exclusive <laughs> on <you>. here. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm tripling everything. I'm just taking chance out the chance. I'm investing everything that I have into my company, and I'm not being afraid if I lose all of it right now. I can honestly say that it felt good that I took the risk to, and did it. Um, are you saying you're tripling up on inventory? Mm -hmm. Is it due to demand, or is it because the time is right in business? Both. 
it's due to to demand and just because it's just the time is right. You know, the fashion industry will always be the fashion industry. People will always need clothes to wear. Mm -hmm. um, I will come in with a fresh perspective of what I think, you know, is good for the industry. And I've done a lot of research and I spent a lot of time, you know, even with me working in retail and just studying the industry altogether. And then I get so many messages. Girls will message me so angry because stuff will sell out. <laughs> stuff will sell out and they be pissed like, you need to start, you know, you need to do better with your inventory. I'm like, you guys, I have a lot of inventory, but if you don't get it, it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, and when I first started my business, it was based off of exclusivity. Like, I didn't want everybody to feel like they had they could get that one thing. Like, it was to the point where where'd you get your shirt? Oh, sold out, you can't get it anymore. Mm -hmm. But now I know that that's not going to work for my company because so many people want these t-shirts. So... That's what I'm going to um, do, just increasing that inventory there. And I want to be in a lot more stores. So when I went to L.A. back in um, April, and I um, you know, sought out their manufacturer because Bougie will be a private label as well. So a lot of the pieces I will be designing just so that I can wholesale them to other stores to carry my clothing. So can, I can become a chain as well as a, a global company. All right. Okay. So you're walking down the street. Charlotte, North Carolina, and you already know it's Charlotte, North Carolina. A dude yells at you, "Hey, Shawty, I'm trying to holler at you." Da 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 da. What is your response? I don't respond. So you got a standard. I have a standard. I don't respond. Uh, and the crazy thing is, it happens all the time. It's just like to the point where, like, do y'all not know this doesn't work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk to a woman like that. If you find interest in me, I expect you to like, you know, find a way to approach me. You right. know, and just say, hey, like I saw you. You know, would you be interested? And the worst thing I can tell you is no. Right. But the fact that you took a chance, like again, I'm very. I believe that you attract people on your level. You know what I'm saying? So mm. the fact that people are bold enough to say, you know what, I feel like I have a chance with you. I respect that. Even if I say no, I respect that because you hold yourself at a high standard mm. that I'm, you know, I'm shooting for. But I do not do that whole a shawty thing. Uh, it, it does not work. It does. I will literally walk away like I didn't hear you at all. Now, the reason I was asking you that because I just wanted to know how busy is your schedule? Are you in a relationship? I am not. How busy is your schedule that it restricts you from just talking and just getting to know men and all that stuff? When I first started, again, like I told you, I had a boyfriend at the time, um, and it got to the point where we, like, we wouldn't even have, <laughs> we would be together, but we weren't together because when we were, we were always talking about business. We never mm -hmm. took that mm -hmm. business aspect away. We were always just business, 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 and it didn't work. So that's what kind of made us split and go our different ways, but we're still very close. Like, a lot of my like my flyers and like even the the designs of my t-shirt he does them mm. so we're still a team but it, it just didn't work um as far as me getting to know guys i believe that if you truly do take interest in someone there's always time to be made i do believe that ask me that a few years ago no because i was all about making money i was mm -hmm. all about business but now that i'm getting to a point where i'm older and i want to settle down you know i'm buying a home and you know eventually want children I can't play those type of games. So my mm -hmm. focus is still, you know, building and becoming the woman that, you know, I know that I can be. But at the same time, if I find someone who I'm interested in, of course, I can stop. You know, because, ev again, everything can be done in one day. I can get right. enough stuff done. Do I don't have to, like, have a ton of stuff in the week? But if I need to make time, then I will make time. No. So it's not that crazy. 
does your job interfere with your business? Um, the crazy thing is, it doesn't. Um, my, my job is very flexible, and I'm, I'm the manager of my job. Mm. So I have a team that I manage, but it's to the point where my team is small, and they're very, like, they can do things. They can run things on their own. So mm. all I have to do is just oversee what they're doing, making sure that they're following protocol and things like that. But I can literally sit at work, and I can work on my business, and there not be an issue. Like, I can send emails back and forth. Because the demand is increasing. So it doesn't. It's, it's really just, I think, with me getting fired and then this job coming along, I pray that I would have something where I could be more flexible and I can do and travel. And God gave me that. So mm. got the extra money coming in. And mm-hmm. That takes care of the trips and the shoes. <laughs> now, was you raised in a, a um, religious heavy house? Yes. So this is where all this strength and courage and all this come from? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really weird because, of course, I was raised, my whole family is, is Christian. Uh-huh. So I was, raised, I was raised in a Baptist church. Um, so, you know, I knew who God was, but I didn't know who he was. I knew who he, we, I knew the story that the Bible told. I knew the things that they would tell us going to Sunday school and mm-hmm. vacation Bible school. But it was when I grew up and I had my own encounter with him is when the game changed. You know, like, everything that I do is a result of God's promises to me. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, even to this day, like, half the stuff that I've done, I can't take credit for it because I still don't know how I did it. Right. Like, it's to the point where it's that crazy. Um, like, even with the ideals that I come up with, I'm like, where does it even come from? Like, yeah. it's, it's that type of thing. So, yeah, um... It, it, it has a lot to do with the fact that my parents raised me that way, but again, it hasn't been effective, effective until I had my own encounters with him. No, I feel you on that. Um, sometimes you just look back and be like, how he do that? Because this interview, I thought it was dead. And then, you know what I'm saying, for some reason, well, not for some reason, I had no interviews. <laughs> I was like, man, you better reach out to her one last time. And you responded and... We got it done. Um, is there a time where, is there a story that you can tell where you look back and was like, how did that really get done under pressure that you didn't think it was going to happen? Yeah, last year, um, like I told you, I because I started my business in somehow, some way, it got leaked to our corporate HR, my manager, that I had started a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got fired from my job back in March of last year. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I had moved to this new location. I had just bought my car, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm dealing with a new car note. I'm dealing with a, a part like rent, like all mm-hmm. this stuff, and I just lost my job. Um, how the heck am I gonna do this? Like, right. you know, and I applied for job after job after job. Mind you, my business was doing okay, but it wasn't bringing in enough money to yeah. where I was able to like take care of everything that I needed yeah. to take care of. Right. But somehow. I was able to stay into my stay in my apartment until the lease, like to literally my lease ended. Mm. How? <laughs> How? I didn't lose my car. I never had to go without food, and my parents didn't help me. I didn't ask for my parents to do anything except come pick me up for when I was ready to leave. No one helped me. That was a crazy part. Like nobody helped me. And mm. then after all these jobs, I applied for a total of twelve jobs. Didn't get one of them. The day before I was moving back home, I received an email from Google. Mm-hmm. And then um, I received a call. They said, hey, we found you. Literally, I did not apply for this job. This was one job I did not apply for. Um, we found you. We think you'll be a great fit. What do you think about this? I'm like, mm-hmm. what's the pay? Literally doubled my salary from when I was working at my Dang. own company. Doubled my salary. 
okay? And all I need to do is move back here. I'm like, this is home for me. That wouldn't be, that would be so easy. Okay. So, I mean, just that whole process to me was just like, that was nobody but God. You kept me in this place that was like far from home. I didn't have any money. I mean, because when you're working and you, you're, at that time, I was pretty much paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So I was taking care of what I needed to take care of. And <laughs> you kept me in my home until the lease ended. You kept my car no pay. You kept food in my house. I mean, yeah. he took her, he kept my business going. I was still able to pour money into my business, like, with no help. Mm. To this day, even with me saying it, it sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds crazy. And people are like, no, see, there's something you missed. Like, I guarantee you with my hand on the Bible, this is how my story was written. I didn't have any help. Mm. Not one inch of help. But, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that alone. So when I do stuff and I pray and I'm like, God, this is what I want to do. These are my expectations. Like, help me be the type of person that will be able to receive this. It's just like I made my business into a six-figure business last year. How? Yeah. How? So, I mean, it was just like those type of things that, that came about. I'm like, all right, God. He, aside from me being raised this way, aside from me, you know, even knowing who you are, this experience alone, like, help me know that you're real and that I'm yeah. not in this by myself. Um, was there anything else you wanted to speak on before I let you get up out of here? <laughs> no, I'm I'm really grateful that you were able to we were able to sit down. Yeah. I know we had like some little issues at the beginning, but I'm grateful that you reached back out to me because you know timing is everything. But right. thank you for asking the right questions. I've been <laughs> in a lot of interviews. I'm not sure if you said I've done a lot of interviews. I've done a lot of blogs but this one I think has been like really really like focused on like things that we need to talk about yeah. and so I really appreciate that and I know that you are even though you might not see it right now your your podcast is going to be super successful true like so I'm just I'm grateful is there oh yeah um last question yeah tell me one tell me your favorite thing about working in clothing and the most negative nastiest thing you hate about it um I think the one thing that I love about working in clothing is just the freedom in it I mean even though people can wear the most ridiculous things <laughs> when you step back and like look at who they are it's just their way of expressing themselves mm -hmm. and that's just the most spring thing I've ever experienced and witnessed in my entire life um, the most negative thing, oh, the most negative thing, uh, I really, I don't know. I don't or know the, the negative thing I would say the, the least favorite thing you have to do. Like with me, I'm only on like episode, this episode nine, mm -hmm. but my f worst thing I'm already starting to hate to do is mixing this episodes up, like <laughs> chopping them, having them, them, yeah, like I'm already starting to hate that. Uh, one thing that I, the, my least favorite thing about it is just, oh God, I don't know because I love it so much. Um, oh, what do I, oh no, okay, I got it. What I hate is my, t like I have to rip the tags off of my t-shirts. Mm. So like, because I print my own tag in them. So like when they come mm. in, they have like the terrible tags that you have to tear off. I had like 400 t-shirts that I had to do that by myself. 
I like, do you know how annoying that is? And then they don't want to help. Like, they don't want to help me. And you got to be careful with the collars. Yeah, like, I got to make sure there's nothing on my hands, on my white t-shirts. Like, I have to put on gloves. And, like, and not only that, I have to put them in, like, these plastic bags folded perfectly to where you can see the size and what the shirts say. Yeah, I would say that's my least favorite. Hence, y'all, I'm hiring a t-shirt folder. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's my least favorite thing to be complete. Yeah. There we go. I found something. Oh, I got another question. Yeah, what you got? (laughs) Are you good at um, just flat out making clothes? Like stitching and sewing and like making pieces together? I can. You can? I'm not. You won't though? I won't. Oh, okay. It, It takes a lot of... It takes a lot of time, and like the way that I want my stuff mass produced, I can't. I don't have the time mm-hmm. to do that with me dabbling in this, dabbling in that, dabbling. It it just doesn't make sense. I can though. I can make clothing. I started off sewing when I was in high school. I took one of those classes, and that's when I like knew knew I was gonna be in this because mm-hmm. I'm like this is my first time, and I literally made a tote bag, like a big tote bag. I think I still have it. But I can I can stitch stuff up. Like it's something my mom will have me like stitch stuff up for her. If she got like a hole in something, or mm. I'll do that. But I just it, it's very time consuming and it hurts your hands. Uh, it hurts really bad. All right. <laughs> and there you have it. The Sydney Nicole episode. I don't even know what I'm gonna name this. Um, have you listened to the last episode? I did not listen to the last episode. All right, I cool. need to listen to the last episode. I've been rapping over them, so you yeah. rap? Yeah. Okay. A little bit. You got music going on too. I mean, I ain't no serious rap. Jack of all trades. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it, get this name out here. Well, I just let me know and I'll push it, and you know. Your parents gonna be listening to this. Everybody listen to it. But if you isn't they're not like to where like, Oh my god, what was this? They're not like that type of people. They're very cool. Like I've had podcasts where I was cussing it and then they listened to them. So right. yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna write a Kirk Franklin verse. Oh my god <laughs> 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 You don't have to do that. You can whatever it is, you stick to your branding, you stick to what works and and listen. Don't change for anybody. Cause you're gonna have all type of people listen like with me, I'm like, I love God. I listen to trap music. I say a few cuss words here and there. Listen, I am not perfect. Okay? So that's just what you're going to get from me. You have everybody listening to your podcast. There you have it. You gave your ads again? Oh, no, you guys. Follow me on Instagram at the Sydney Nicole. That's T H E S Y D N E Y N I C O L E. You guys can follow my um, business page at Bougie Gang Clothing. B-O-U-J-E-E-G-A-N-G clothing. So, if you guys need anything, just reach out to me. I do respond. If I don't respond immediately, you will get a response eventually. <laughs> She's got some hot pieces, too. I do. Check me out. I'm going to stunt. You're going to feel a little funny on a female site, but it's a couple pieces that's going to catch your eyes if you Listen, know how to dress. the t-shirts are unisex, so they're not female cut t-shirts. They're, fit, they're, they're made to fit everybody that wants to wear them. So, <laughs> in case you're interested... Yeah. All right, y'all. I'll see y'all next time. Thanks for having me, guys. Peace. Oh, that was another legendary episode. Tune in next time. You already know they just get better, 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 better. I'd like to thank my guest, Sydney Nicole, for allowing me to pull up an interviewer and give such a great story. Um, always know I do it bigger and better every time so ain't no telling where we'll end up next time so just tune in subscribe like comment share peace